0: Because we're not talking about your being in the studio, reliving some fantasy from when you were 15.
1: Hey, your sister should be honored. I, I've never worn my WMCA good guy sweatshirt in public.
0: Then there's no reason to wear that moth-eaten thing to her birthday party.
1: Moth-eaten? Hey, even those moth holes are collector's items. This, this sweatshirt was designed by the legendary WMCA program director... What? Uh, oh, no, don't do this to me.
0: You can wear your T-shirt. I'll see you at midnight.
1: Hey, I can follow you. You don't drive very fast, you know. From Hollywood, it's out of my mind. I'm Jay Douglas, with another little-known story about well-known stuff here in episode 59. In the late 1950s and through the 1960s, there was a radio station in New York City where all the cool disc jockeys worked. These guys got me. They knew what it was like to live with my mother and father. They understood why I hated school and, and why I needed pimple cream. And I never thought I was an awkward geek. So imagine what it was like when I found out, give me a moment to screw up the courage to tell you what that was.
0: Did you know that one out of every seven persons in the United States will suffer from arthritis, an exceedingly painful disease for which no cure has yet been found, and that it menaces our youngsters as well as older people? And did you know that one out of every 16 babies born this year will have a birth defect? You have helped the March of Dimes fight polio and emerge the winner in the battle. And now your 1959 contribution to the March of Dimes can help win the battle with these other awful cripplers. Send your gift of money to your local March of Dimes headquarters. Send it tonight.
1: You'd never know by listening to them, but the coolest disc jockeys in New York, the WMCA good guys, were under the thumb of a girl. Well, I I exaggerate a bit. It wasn't a girl. It was an extraordinary woman who, among other things, opened the door for women looking to join the ranks of radio management. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit emotionally involved in this story, so to help tell it, I'm enlisting the help of Donna Halper. She's an associate professor of communication and media studies at Leslie University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Donna is also the author of several books on media, including Invisible Stars A Social History of Women in American Broadcasting. Hi, Donna. Thanks for uh, being part of the show today.
0: I- you for ages, okay? I mean, ever since the last time we talked, I really, really wanted to talk some more radio.
1: All right, let's do that then. Let's talk Ruth Mayer. She's living in Kansas City, Missouri. She's working as a copywriter, and then, in the mid 1950s... In
0: 1955, she gets a real... She gets a break. She goes to WHB, which is a big deal in Kansas City, and it's there she was hired by a guy named Todd Stores. Now, he understands that she's got a good ear for the hits, and he mentors her.
1: Now, now I should point out that Todd Storrs is credited with creating the Top 40 format, the music format that dominated
0: radio for nearly 30 years. The Todd Storrs connection was huge for her. Todd had a lot of credibility.
1: Okay, Mayor moves from Kansas City to, to New York. She eventually lands at WMCA, but there are already two Top 40 stations in town. There's WMGM and WINS, so WMCA wants to be the third now, I would think that, that given Storrs' connection uh, with, uh, with Ruth, she would be a natural choice to, uh, to help WMCA as program director.
0: It's still the 50s and the early 60s. She's hired there because the general manager there, a guy named Steve Lebunski, she'd worked with him in Kansas City. He knew her work just like Todd Storrs did, but he can't make her program director. So he starts off... By naming her Promotion Director in 1958. Then, around 1960, she's Production Director.
1: But, but by then, her job has gone way beyond that, right?
0: She's doing what a program director does, but they can't give her the title.
1: Yeah, well, title or not, part of her job is dealing with a group of six young disc jockeys, mostly in their early 30s, who, as top 40 disc jockeys tended to do, thought they knew more about radio than anyone especially the program director. Mayor realizes that she needs to turn them into a team, and and so she gives that team a name. She calls them the WMCA good guys.
0: They didn't want to be the WMCA good guys. The hardest thing for any program director, male or female, is convincing a whole bunch of egos that what really matters is the team.
1: (laughs) Which would be a hard enough feat for a male program director.
0: Always found a way she as it turns out was a very good manager she would even go into the studio if she heard something she liked that was great just walk right in and say you know like that particular break that was amazing okay what you just said I'm so impressed with it she kept that balance between correcting them and mentoring them when they did it wrong and praising and encouraging them when they did it right. By
1: 1965, WMGM and WINS had dropped top 40 for other formats. And for the next three years, WMCA and WABC, which turned top 40 in 1961, those two stations slugged it out for every ratings point, and it was quite a brawl. WABC was the Goliath to WMCA's David because the station was backed by the money and resources of the American Broadcasting Company, but it also had a signal that, that reached far beyond WMCAs. But in New York City, where the station signals overlapped at full strength, Mayer consistently won the ratings battle. But in 1968, WMCA changed management, and for Mayer, the fun was gone. She was forced out of the station. WMCA switched to All Talk, then back to Top 40, then back to Talk. It, it was never a ratings contender in New York again. Mayer moved on and eventually retired to Kansas City, where her radio journey began. Uh, Hang hang on just a second, Donna, and uh, gather up a few closing thoughts. Uh, I want to mention that Donna and I met at a library. That's where I found her book, Invisible Stars. So along with everything else you can do at your local library, everything from borrowing books, videos, music, uh, to accessing databases and online learning courses, the public library is also a great place to make new friends like Donna. I can't do this show without my local library. I've said that many times before. And your local library can't thrive without you. Get a library card. Use it. And uh, support your local library. Donna, uh, how's about wrapping this up for us?
0: People ought to study her. Because not only was she ahead of her time, but the qualities that she displayed as a manager are qualities that people in business management today encourage. And here's somebody who was demonstrating them in the 50s and 60s, at a time when there weren't a lot of role models for women.
1: Donna, thanks for taking the time to walk us through Ruth Mayer's odyssey.
0: I've been doing research on this for years, and I don't want to just plug my book. I hope people will get their hands on the second edition of Invisible Stars. It enabled me to tell the stories of so many groundbreaking people. And thank you for giving me the chance to talk about another one of them.
1: Oh, you're quite welcome. And, and with that, I will take off my WMCA Good Guy sweatshirt designed by Ruth Mayer herself, and that will nail down the story I call Rock and Roll Model. My thanks to my wife for bringing home leftovers from her sister's birthday party, and, of course, to Donna Halper, author, professor, and just an all-around great person to chat with. I'll be back next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Eastern with another little-known story about well-known stuff, We'll chat then. I'm Jay Douglas. Out of My Mind is produced by Penny Summers and is a copyrighted feature of the Theatre of Your Mind, Incorporated, Hollywood, California.